Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How is everyone doing today? We're here. It's We're Monday. Here. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. I did get a little noty notification. Noty. Noty. A little noty. A little noty. <laughs> notification that it was live on my phone. So as you can tell, we are also still figuring out our, our operations here. Um, but the exciting part is that you can catch our common ground chats anytime you want. Mm -hmm. You can, you can <laughs> but we love friends that come live and chat with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just as a reminder, we cannot see you all but you are more than welcome to drop all of your thoughts in the chat. We can see those. You can also raise your hand if you do want to jump on camera. You can raise your hand at the bottom and we can invite you into the screen if you want to ask a question with your face. <laughs> awesome. So I think we're just going to jump right into it. Um, we are discussing how to make this valuable for all of you and information and knowledge about the yogic world that, you know, you may want to know about whenever you're taking our classes and kind of attaching all these thoughts and ideas. And what better way to start than with the yamas and the niyamas? They are a part of the eight limb path that we, I think for me personally speaking, um, that's how my teacher training started. It's just basically launching with the eight limbs and specifically launching with the yamas and the niyamas. I think it's a wonderful way to connect things that happen in your day-to-day -day living with what's happening in your practice so that those two things go from being separate to being together as we all try to, you know, say, I think throughout all of our practices that they're not different, they're one and the same. So the yamas and the niyamas are basically guidelines, I want to say, um, without coming off too serious. <laughs> and Sydney and Jenna, you can correct me if you feel like another word is better, but just guidelines as a vision of like possibilities of human existence, you know, and how well these guidelines make um, moment to moment choices in our daily living. Mm -hmm. So that is the overview, I would say, of the yamas and the niyamas, but basically they are a system in how we live and they are like disciplines and restraints and observances. Um, I have this wonderful book by Deborah Dell and she describes them as jewels. Mm -hmm. And she said that because she calls them jewels because they are the rare gems of wisdom that give direction to a well-lived and joyful life. Oh, and I, I love, love that. that so much because I think, honestly, um, I try so much to find the little jewels in day-to-day -day living, but it's really hard when sometimes your day-to-day -day living is stressful. So having that word jewel just takes maybe the rough, you just, it kind of shows you that, you know, the rough edges still make something wonderful. Mm. <laughs> I like that. It feels yeah. very... Um, like jewels are just like, like bright and like colorful. Like they just also just, they're just nice things to, to add. And I feel like that's for me when I'm in practice with these and sort of paying attention to them rather, um, they do bring up 
bright, beautiful things about life. And for me, it's a lot of how we can shift or just the shifting of the perspective of like mundane to magical. Mm. Jewels are like magical. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> really awesome. And I also think too, just to add, um, when we understand yoga and, you know, you might hear like just kind of flippantly in a yoga practice, how yoga means unity, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and then you're in a 60 minute, like asana class. But like, I think it's the yamas and the niyamas and this, like you said, um, guideline or like instruction manual that actually allows yoga to feel more like unity, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like beyond like, what we'll learn is the poses or asana is one limb <laughs> yeah. of the eight. So it's just, it feels like a gem and like a jewel. And I love that so much. <laughs> and it all ties in together. So like you might be thinking like, what even is this eight limb path? Um, so, you know, we will like overview all of that, but just knowing that the eight limb path is coming from Ashtanga yoga, which is coming from the yoga sutras. We're going to dive into all of that stuff. So don't let these words trip you up because there is detail beyond, (laughs) but we want to start with the guidelines because I think it does help in some way kind of lay the roadmap. Mm -hmm. And I will say for me, when I first learned of these like Mirage in my teacher training at the beginning, um, it was, something that really infused yoga into my life in a way that my physical practice didn't, my meditation practice didn't, I didn't have a breathwork practice if we're being honest then, didn't. And so when I, in the years, have have taught the off-the-mat yoga, um, this is the place we all end up starting because it's really the place it starts. Mm-hmm. So even with the the four of us going, well, where are we going to, how are we going to start these discussions? What's going to happen? It all kept coming back right to the yamas because that's the beginning of the path. And we can all start in the same place. And what's so awesome is there's going to be different jewels and gems and, and, and hurdles and blocks and all the things along this path. But it's such a cool thing that we just start together and then we're on it. And So the yamas in Sanskrit literally translates to restraints. Um, It's a direct translation of the word and it includes non-violence, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-excess, I was like, wait, do I have the other one? (laughs) And non-possessiveness. So we will refer to those five first, I would say. Um, And then we'll jump to the last five jewels which are referred to as the niyamas our observances and that's purity contentment uh self-discipline self-study and surrender and i think also what's worthy to acknowledge is that the translations from sanskrit to english often appear different throughout different lineages of yoga different teachers different interpretations so we might be saying something like um I forget, what did you say? Non, the one you were like, wait, what's that one? Brahmacharya. Um, Non-possessiveness. Non-possessiveness. Whereas in what I'm looking in front of me says Mm self-restraint. Right. But that's the thing about this is it's such a, 
wide interpretation of thousands of years and millions of people. Right. Yeah. And even like, if you think about any text like this, you know, Patanjali is accredited to writing the sutras, like the, um, but it's likely a culmination of so many of his disciples yeah. <laughs> that have, um, you know, gathered his thoughts and like wrote them down. And it's like with any of these like really special ancient texts, like to honor all the different places that likely came from mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind it's of just- really interesting to consider. The beginning is like before the written word, it was oral incantation. Right. And yeah, we'll get there in one of those common grounds. <laughs> we go there today. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is just something I, I'm just going to share about the, the five yamas only because I know it's helped some people kind of understand them when they're like, but why guidelines? Um, so the five, and there's a garbage truck that's joining our discussion. So I apologize if that is heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the five yamas are also our attitudes and behaviors towards other people and the environment. So in a sense, mm-hmm. they're what we express and share out of ourselves and into what's around us, which I think will make a difference when Mirage shares our five movements next. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, Sid, is there anything you wanted to add in the overview before I jump in some more? Mm-hmm. No, I just think, yeah, like you said, it just, they help us be aware of us on the path like mindful of every action and which helps us just to be more present and aware off of the mat, which is so beautiful. And um, I, I like to, you know, not to like tie them to religion specifically, but it's like how, you know, maybe like Christianity uses the 10 commandments or the like Buddhism uses, well, I guess it might be the 10 virtues. But anyways, again, it's just like, it's that foundational. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, I think in a larger discussion, everyone wants to live well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think people yeah. come into this world and say like, you know, I'm just going to truly try to live awful. Like it's a, everyone wants to live well. And so I think having these is kind of, a guideline helps you to understand maybe the bitterness or the hopelessness that creeps in. It's not a negated feeling, but there's something to add surface to that feeling with these guidelines. I mean, that's kind of how I look at that. And I think like what it comes down to it is as humans, like we need to make meaning to like make a life that (laughs) means something (laughs) that sounds so weird. But anyways, like, how whatever you use for that like it can be these it can be like others use the 10 commandments like one is not better than the other it's just to help us live with meaning because it's going to be even more important like in the life and in this culture whenever like things around us are literally like breaking down like institutions breaking down like we still as humans need to make meaning so that's another way for us to explore that on the path too. And this yeah. is the first time I I 
thought of this in this context, which I find really interesting, is that we have our our space and in spirit for rewiring our brain. We have our 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 fun space and just now it it has me thinking like, oh, that's the yamas and the niyamas. They're having us notice things in life. Right. So we rewire our brain, which is ultimately to come back to those everyday choices of what makes us live well versus yeah. what Mirage Mirage was saying. Um, you know, we we don't we don't come here trying to live poorly or be a jerk, but yeah, and that's like things. that realization that we all want to live that way is like that unifying part, like that unity of yoga that we kind of can think about it in that way too. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all. <laughs> Guidelines for living well. Go for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I can overview like basically the foundation of the first one, if we think that that makes the most sense. And then we can kind of talk through, you know, what to expect over the ne next few weeks. Yeah. Great. So the first Yama, nonviolence, um, as Deborah Gal calls it, the first rule. <laughs> which I just think is great. She says is the foundation to the other guidelines, which in turn enhances the meaning and the richness of nonviolence because it can be seen um, in so many different ways. And I think when we hear violence, we immediately go to like the worst absolute thing, but it could be so much um, that is not as harsh as is looking in your head, I guess is the word I want to say. Um, but it's just a stance of how you are with yourself. And that's neither self-sacrifice or like, you know, doing too much. It's finding that sweet spot, if that makes sense. And it's um, guiding us to live together and to share goods and do what we want without causing harm to ourselves or to anyone. So having this as the foundational, the first yama, I think then enhances, like she says, the rest of them, because you're building off of this idea that like, no matter what comes, my end goal is to not cause harm to myself or to others. <laughs> and we will in the coming weeks be diving into each of these. Yeah. Right. So, right. If you're kind of like, uh, but, or, you know, you're thinking yeah. more, that's the idea. It's just to open this sort of curiosity yeah, for this path. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to keep going, Maraj, or do you want me to throw? Yeah, one? sure. You can jump in. Okay. So um, the next one is Satya, truthfulness. And the idea of truthfulness, It yes, it has to do with lying and like lying to other people but also similar to ahimsa we also have to consider this with ourselves so it's also living your truth and it's it's understanding in a sense that you know everything we're experiencing is some version of truth and to sort of stay true to that so everything has the superficial like be nice, carry on, but then it goes deeper. And this is like 
don't lie, don't lie to others, don't, don't lie to yourself. But then it also goes deeper into just this discovery of like, what, what is your truth? And what is this, this, this truth of, of living? And, and to me, at times, that means just how do we acknowledge our reality rather than tell ourselves a story about, you know, what reality is when that's not actually in alignment with what is. Mm-hmm. Your turn. <laughs> yeah. So then the next one would be Astea, which is non-stealing. Again, it's can come off super literal. Like, no, we're not saying, we are saying don't go into CVS and steal something, but we're also <laughs> saying like, you know, non-stealing calls us to live with integrity. So we're not stealing from others, stealing time mm-hmm. and value um, respect those things that we're not that we want for ourselves we're not taking them from someone else so it's to live in this place where we are not only focusing on ourselves but we're not sending unhealthy energy out to others either Mm -hmm. Um, living in a way that is sharing almost in Mm -hmm. one's excitement rather than taking away from the moment that, you know, doesn't need to always be yours. (laughs) All right. Brahmacharya. I feel like it's a little bit loaded. Um, Because often when you may hear this one in practice or in another class, it's what I have in in my book, which to be fair and honest, it's the book I wrote about yoga for trauma. So they are my words. Um, I, I chose self-restraint mm-hmm. and that often is first connected to the self-restraint of sexual energy. So to be, um, restraining from that, but it's so much more than that. And honestly, I love your interpretation of it, Mirage. Well, really our dear author friend's interpretation of it. Um, but it's, it's to not expend energy on things. That's not that aren't serving a purpose. So in mm-hmm. a sense, it's gaining some control over your impulses and not being wasteful with what you have, which again, there's the literal, there's the superficial meaning of it, but then it's how do we go deeper? How do we really engage the energy that we have for, and this is why they all feed into other things, like to feed into, to be more compassionate, to honor our truth to stop ourselves from that impulse to steal something, be it time or chapstick. I don't know. Um, but that that's, this one is, is to, to hold back, I think. And Mirage, again, I forget it and I keep saying it, but what was your interpretation from the book? Um, it was a little bit similar, but it was, um, I think we just had two different like words. Like I think I said non-possessiveness. Yes. Or, no, I'm sorry. Did I say non-excess? Non-excess. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I've also heard it as right use of energy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So it's so really I think ultimately all intertwined. Just used depending on who you're speaking to differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I love seeing this one as as about energy. Yeah. Not- particular kind of energy and energy of anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it can be used a little bit more broadly when we look at it that way mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit more relatable as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then we have 
Aparigraha, which is non-possessiveness. I think this one is my favorite <laughs> because of how it was described to me in my teacher training. Um, and that was when she just gave the prime example like of these um, titles that we give ourselves. So like, I am a mother, I am a daughter, I am a wife. Um, but she said like, but I don't own my husband, and <laughs> I don't own my children, you know, and um, I don't own, like, you know, we put these titles to ourselves and sometimes then they turn into this possessive, well, they're mine kind of aspect. And by her giving that example for me, it really helped be like, wow, you know, you put yourself in all these titles and relationships, but ultimately like everyone is their own person and we all have a right to ourselves. And so even though I may need to, you know, lean on someone that doesn't right away take away my right as an individual human being, which I thought was wonderful. Um, and so with that explanation and then with Deborah Dells of just this like idea that you can't have one without the other. So you can't have the inhale without the exhale. And mm -hmm. she describes like this beautiful scene of like um, a woman doing acrobatics. And she's, you know, says like this ability to let go is what makes this woman so good at her job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's doing acrobatics. And it just reminds you that you truly need all of it. Like one with the other, the inhale, the exhale, the ability to just let go rather than be attached. Does yours aparigraha, does it say like non-greed or non-hoarding? Does it go one way or the other? It doesn't. It called both things. Yeah, no, it's a, it, mine doesn't. I, maybe yours says Jan. Oh no, it's frozen. <laughs> Hers might. No, she doesn't say too much about greed here in this aspect. Um, but I think I have definitely seen it in that way. Dan, does your Pragraha talk about greed at all? Um, or like what's yes. how described? It um it talks um I talked a lot about knowing the difference between need and want. Okay. And not being not being jealous. Um mm -hmm in terms of like having this wanting to have this ownership over what others have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I do like, then we get to pick a favorite. Cause I'm like, mine's Satya. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, at first I was like, Oh, you can't have a favorite. But now I'm thinking of it as Maybe that's your door in. So maybe ahimsa isn't it for everyone, and that's not where they can relate to this web of of wonder and jewels and seeing life in this way. So you allow yourself to connect to the yama that that speaks to you, and it's oh, like that yeah. spoke to you. And truthfulness speaks to me, and through truthfulness, I see compa compassion. Well, through truthfulness, I see oh, so many things. Yeah, and I think it will depend on what you're going through in your life and where you are on the path and what your relations are in this moment. And, you know, it could definitely fluctuate and change depending on 
you know, where you're at too, which is interesting. <laughs> but do you have one? I don't have like a favorite right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is very true. What you said, Sid, it's just very dependent on like the situation, but there's always that connector of how you find your way back to the past. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is so interesting. So over the next few weeks, we're going to dive in a lot, a lot, <laughs> uh, as much as we can in a half hour. But always, I think, like, there's going to be a ton of questions that come up and there's so much literature out there that if you find something that might be contradicting to what we're saying or, you know, speaks to you differently, share that with us because the more, you know, the more we know, so <laughs> we can help one another, you know, lean into these conversations and really make them conversations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's why we're excited to, to drop this into our, our replays space so, so we can keep the conversation going because we know 845 on Mondays doesn't work for everyone all the time. Um, and yeah, it's a space of learning and unlearning. So yeah. we really, we don't mind being challenged. We want to learn things too. We don't want to always go back to our same books and our same brains for this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> and since this is about life, if you have like these experiences out in life where you're like, Ooh, I really, I really had to practice some, some Astea this week. Share share with us. Cause that's why we created this too. So that it becomes relatable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the stories are, you know, 2022 stories versus some <laughs> centuries ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> or even like my teacher training in 2011 like that's not yeah. relevant anymore that feels like a, a different different era mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Wonderful. I might be teaching my three-year-old about um Estea <laughs> or yeah, no not. no a parigraha because not everything is his yeah. <laughs> you're never too young to start this journey actually all five of these really really go with three-year-olds right now <laughs> <laughs> The toddler handbook. Yeah. <laughs> the yamas. Yeah. Yes. Hey, he was doing some niyamas today, so I'll I'll give him some credit for that. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everyone has a wonderful rest of their day. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see y'all next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.